0: Some months ago, I was at a conference at a conservative think tank in Sweden, together with Joram Zoni. In my speech there, I spoke about the tyrannical COVID measures and how I felt that the dangers of the QR society were much more prevalent than most people thought. In that speech, I spoke openly about God, stating that our God-given rights, like bodily integrity, were heavily being violated, by the vaccine mandates. After the conference later that day, we, Joram and I, had a discussion with some of our Swedish conservative friends, and they told me that talking about God in Sweden or in any other northwestern European country would make you lose about 90% of your audience and should be avoided at all costs. Well, Joram and I took a different stance. And that stance is exactly the one that I want to talk to you about today. Let me tell you right away, not only do I disagree with the statements that conservatives shouldn't openly and unapologetically talk about God, I also think the very reason we are losing some of the most important battles right now is precisely because we've lost track inside of God. But before I get further into that, Let me start off by saying that as you can tell from my example about Sweden, and probably from many of the people that you've met today, that conservatives aren't necessarily easily definable. Conservatism in Europe knows many nuances and different tones depending on where you find it. Our neighbors in the south or in the east might be quite different than than us ourselves in here in northwestern Europe. And that's understandable, of course, because what is more natural than wanting to defend your own, your national heritage, your national identity, and your culture, especially, of course, in a time of rapid cultural decay, mass migration, and demographic change. But let's zoom out of the realm of national policies for a second. What unites us conservatives? Generally speaking, I would say that all real Conservatives care deeply about the three transcendentals. The good, the true, and the beautiful. And of course, we can debate each other endlessly about what the substance of those three things might be. But what I think is most important is the fact that we think there is such a thing as morality. That there is such a thing as the truth and that there is such a thing as beauty. You see, we believe in the concept of these things, the metaphysical idea behind them. But we are a dying breed. Customs, craftsmanship, religion, tradition, all landmarks that used to give Western men some sort of guidance and a sense of identity have been under massive attack, and some might say even willfully destroyed. And as a result, we now live in a globalized world without any physical or moral borders, leaving most of us permanently confused, disoriented, and isolated. And ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly the fate that the globalist neoliberal elites have in mind for us. And it's not so difficult to guess why. Uprooted, lost people are easy to control. They want to turn us into docile consumers that buy what they offer and do what they say. And so far, they've been quite successful at it. Things that were once up were now down and vice versa. We've all heard the examples, one most recently of course being the one that we just talked about of the man that just won the NCAA swimming championship, female championship. And of course, this is just one of many examples. We all know that the list of left-wing idiocracies is endless. But I am afraid, ladies and gentlemen, that we have something bigger to worry about than the gender madness and other progressive projects. We are dealing with an enemy that doesn't just want to brainwash us. We are dealing with an enemy that wants to get into our brains, an enemy that wants to play God. Because the fact of the matter is that the globalists who want to make us believe that everything is a social construct won't stop there. They want to make us believe that even life itself is a construct, one that they can design and of course therefore control. And like all other things, they will bring this to us under the guise of equality and other noble pretexts such as public health. Because if there is one thing that we have seen and that we can take away from the past two years, it's that people have been shown to be incredibly willing to give up their freedom in order to be protected by the state. And this is no surprise, of course. With the decline of Christianity, people have become increasingly afraid of the afterlife, or rather, the lack thereof. And that is why, if there is one thing that modern man is nowadays incredibly afraid of, it's death. So protecting public health, of course, sounds like an amazing, noble goal. And it is therefore an incredibly effective tool in gaining control over millions of citizens. But what if the elites offer us something more than just protection from death with their vaccine passports? Well. What if they can promise us not just protection of death, from death, but the eradication of death itself? Well, that's where transhumanism comes in. Transhumanism promotes the view that the human species should take control over its own evolution through technology. Technologies such as brain implants, genetic engineering, and nanotechnology, eventually allowing for us humans to become immortal in the cloud, but not that cloud. Promising us paradise on Earth, the most rich and powerful people on the planet, are currently working on tools that will alter human nature forever. I know that all of you know Elon Musk, and I know that you all know him from Tesla, right? The self-driving cars. But have you ever heard of the concept or of the name Neuralink? I see some some people are nodding, but I see lots of people who, who don't. Well, let me tell you, Neuralink is one of Elon Musk's most other projects, and it's a chip that can be implanted into the brain, convert your brain activity—so mind you, those are your thoughts—into a digital form, and have them seriously uploaded to that cloud. And of course, also Elon Musk sells this Neuralink as something that could be beneficial to public health stating that the chip could address brain or spinal injuries and make up for whatever lost capacity someone might have. So next time, and I know some of you like him because of the base things he says on Twitter, please think about that too. And not just Neuralink, what about human ectogenesis? Or uh, growing a baby outside of the woman's womb? Well, that's already on the way. Chinese scientists reportedly already have created an artificial womb for fetuses to safely grow in what they call a robotic nanny. Not a mother, a nanny. And we all know already that soon women will be sold this new fantastic advancement um, by saying well you won't have to suffer through those debilitating nine months of back pain and swollen feet and you won't have to take a break from your career anymore this is all part of the so-called Fourth Industrial Revolution, which entails the blurring of boundaries between the physical, digital and biological world. And that revolution is very much taking place as we speak. In fact, most of the response to the pandemic has relied on Fourth Industrial Revolution technologies such as genetic sequencing, vaccine biotechnology and contact tracing, aka mass for surveillance software. And if you still believe that all of this is for the greater good and it won't be used against us, then I have to say I'm sorry, but you're being dangerously naïve. Transhumanism will be presented to us as the holy grail, but in fact, it's the poisoned chalice. I can imagine that some of you still might be thinking that I'm exaggerating this, but well, the reality is that I'm not the one saying it, they are. All we have to do is listen. For example, some years ago at the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum, Joval Noah Harari said, and I quote, soon corporations and governments will be able to hack all people. This will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life. Science is replacing evolution with with intelligent design, not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design, end of quote. Bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, we don't take our enemies seriously enough. We can't seem to imagine that there are people on this earth who want to create a new human, a new world that is evil. As Baudelaire once said, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist, and he was right. Because how do we expect to win a war against enemies that we don't even see for what they are. Well, if we don't see it, we won't win that war. But yet there is solace and there is hope. Because what happens when human try, humans try to change their nature? All you have to do is think about the story of Icarus. He thought he could change his human nature and fly to the sun. And what happened to him He came crashing down. So in the end, especially us Christians who believe in God, we know that playing God never has worked and it never will work. Evil will perish in the end. But that's no reason to sit back right now, because the evil that we're facing has the potential to take control over millions of people on an unprecedented scale for a very long period of time. So standing by isn't an option. So what should we do? Well, the older I get, the less I believe that this is a matter of left and right. We don't need something smaller. No, we need something much greater than globalism, something much greater than transhumanism. We need the greatest. We need God. Religion will be the only Religion will be the only antidote to the evils of transhumanism and globalism. And sadly, I really don't believe that anything else will cut it. We are fighting such a large evil that only with him on our side, and we do have him on our side because we have the truth on our side, we will win this fight. But if we spend our energy on hiding him because we might lose some people in our audience, well then why would he be there for us? I've often heard conservatives say, oh, but Christianity in the West, it's done. We can't get the youth. We'll scare them off. Well, we might, but we are a civilization at the brink of extinction, and we can go argue that we can save this all with secular liberal values, but we've been doing that for decades, and how is it working for us? I refuse to compromise on this and I think that that is exactly the type of mindset that young people crave nowadays. In a world where everything is limitless, grey and vague, giving a clear answer is the most liberating thing that you can do. And the beautiful opportunity that we have at hand here, ladies and gentlemen, is that exactly as we've heard from our other speakers today, most young people, people of my generation in Northwestern Europe or in Europe and America too, hardly know anything about God, Christianity, and the church. But that gives us an opportunity. We are much more of a blank blank slate than the generation of our parents who rebelled against the church because they were grown up in the spirit of the But how do we expect to have people turn to God and the truth if we don't introduce them to them? The Bible says the truth will set you free. So will we embrace the lies and globalism and watch Europe destroy itself from within? Or will we embrace the truth and fight for it? I know what we should do. Thank you very much.